right, welcome back. Uh, Wine, Women, and Song here for our December podcast. Uh, sparkling wines, a, a, a new <laughs> December tradition, as it were. Uh, not such a bad thing, right? No, no I keep, keep it that, coming. Keep that, keep that coming. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so uh, uh, sparkling wines, uh, as we've covered before. So if you've been listening to the podcast, um, you note that uh, there are very different types of sparkling wines all being born out of champagne. Um, and so a lot of the things that govern uh, champagne have been adopted by the rest of the world, even if they don't call themselves champagne or are legally allowed to call themselves champagne. But um, everything from the sweetness levels, uh, you know, uh, brut nature, you know, extra brut, brut, dry, extra dry, sec, demi-sec, you know, all these different things that, that can be very confusing. And there's some great, um, there are some great things online that, sh- that explain the sweetness scale. If you're a little confused, I think um, it's easy to be confused by um, <laughs> the French scale. Um, <laughs> I was going to say the French, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, that too. Uh, yeah, in general. <laughs> but basically, uh, you know, we... In general, um, and I was just talking about this the other day with um, some other people, is that brut is considered like every, like that's what everybody thinks. I'm gonna have a brut champagne, and that's the most popular. So there are plenty of um, winemakers who make sparkling wines that are not necessarily champagne, who don't even put something on their label if they fall into, say, one of the sweeter type categories um, that because they think people may not buy them if they don't think they're brute. Um, but the other thing is um, brute is as a as a label um, is a little bit like Samuel Adams is to craft beer. And I'm gonna explain that in the following way. So when Samuel Adams first started out, um, they didn't have a lot of volume and they weren't a really big company if anybody knows beer but as they grew in popularity and they started having their styles their volume kept increasing and as because they were an influential you know beer maker they kept having the governing body raise the volume level it was to still be considered a craft brewery Hmm. so and they kept growing in size and they kept raising the limit etc etc to the point where it's like I'm not so sure anymore what it means to be a craft brewer, you know, if the big volume there. So, um, in that sense, a brute uh, nature is zero to um, six grams per liter of sugar for its dosage, which makes it like a little sweetness. And then they have extra brute, which is less than brute, so less sweet than brute even though it says extra brute. Um, so that's zero to nine grams, and then brute is zero to 12 grams. So if you look at it, you know, those first three drier categories of sparkling wine or champagne all start at zero. So you, that brute has a wide thing. You could go zero to 12. So they may not say, they want to say they're a extra brood or a brood insurance so there's some a lot of overlap there and it's all because the main houses have the power and they want to keep things the same way they have forever and ever. Jay, um, do you think you would 
be able in a blind tasting be able to say the difference be, you would know definitely if it was a sparkling wine versus champagne I have I have a pretty good indication yeah there's some things about champagne that are pretty distinctive um, there are there are some sparkling wines I've had where I'm like and I've known they're not champagne where I'm like wow this this comes pretty close so in a blind tasting there are probably a couple that could kind of fool me um, but um, but yeah no I, I do think that there is a difference um, it doesn't necessarily mean you like the difference yeah you know. You know, but I think there is a difference. I think there is something worth protecting in that winemaking industry in France. Uh, so I do think it's, and, and I, so I think when they took their case to court about saying we want champagne to really mean us, I think they really had a case. Um, I think it was a very fair thing. Um, that being said, um, we're not going to taste any champagne tonight. Get to know that up front. Yeah. Just telling you. Yeah. Um, I, last time. You know, mainly because yeah. when I was batting around what to taste, I was like, you know what, let's just taste some other stuff besides champagne. Uh, there's plenty of good sparkling wine out there. Um, I often, uh, well, I tell people all the time when, I, when it comes to sparkling wine, I say things like, um, you know, I almost always have a bottle of sparkling wine in the fridge. Um, right, Paige? Yeah. <laughs> and I think that that there's something important about that because you should not feel like sparkling wine is, say, only for celebration or a big, like, achievement type of thing, that sometimes sparkling wine is just good to have, just to have. And yet, and also, we have so many occasions we should celebrate, so why not open sparkling wine? Hey, and it's a Tuesday night, and we're both <laughs> You know, or like, you know, or, or like, you know, your favorite sports team's on a winning streak, or whatever it is, you know? You, you know, you, you, you got an unexpected, you know, compliment at the office, or whatever the hell it is. I Celebrate. want a fantasy football league. You today. want a fantasy football league, too. right? Open up the bubble. Well, we're opening up the bubble, didn't we? So, but I mean, overall, I think you know it's hard to do that if you're spending the money on champagne. Um, but there's so much great sparkling wine out there um, that really runs the gamut of lots of different flavors. So what I did pick for us tonight are three extremely different sparkling wines um, from each other um, just to kind of show a gambit about what sparkling wine can do um, and so you guys are in for a treat um, so, right so I mean um, I suppose I should start to open the wine but you guys have any more questions uh, on sparkling wine I don't think so yeah okay yeah I think we're ready Oh, I know. We were talking earlier, and you wanted me to mention the glasses we're using. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, we're going to taste sparkling wine out of a uh, white wine glass. And the reason for that is most people, well, there's two types of champagne glasses. The most common used nowadays is a flute. And the reason for that is that um, the idea behind the flute is it protects uh, the bubbles, so it prolongs the t amount of time that the champagne stays sparkly and bubbly. Woo! And um, the uh, 
The other style of champagne glass, which is much less popular now, but was very popular up until about, I don't know, the 70s, and you'll see a lot actually used in film, is the um, saucer, which yeah. was, uh, yeah. you know, you know story has it was, you know, made, uh, designed by Marie Antoinette and after the shape of her breast. Um, which I guess tells you her cup size, yeah. um, but um, if it's if it isn't if it's it indeed true, yeah. um, I'm not impressed. Yeah, me. But that being said, the the issue with that is that you know the bubbles. It's it, I mean that saucer. It's, it's just wise. All right. the bubbles All go the bubbles and go and go. go. Yeah. But then again, I mean, I guess if you're Marie Antoinette, you're probably just like down in that yeah. stuff. Mm. So because. Um, because whatever, it's just wine. So, um, but that's why those have really fallen out of favor. Mm -hmm. They're still used actually a lot in champagne cocktails because once you change things up, um, it, the, the bubbliness is not quite as important as the actual flavor element mm -hmm. of, of the champagne. Um, so a lot of times they are used in champagne cocktails, but the flute is prominent. But the downside of the flute is you don't have a lot of what we do a lot when we taste wine uh, critically, which is part of what we do with Wine, Women, and Song, which is you don't have space to really swirl it. Uh, you don't have that uh, ability to kind of collect the aromatics of the wine and, and get those, uh, that part of the experience. So, and also, uh, we're going at a, at a rather quick pace, so to speak. Uh, so uh, that's, you know, that's why we're doing it in white wine glasses. So there's nothing wrong with drinking champagne in wine wine glasses, just it'll go flat a little faster. Oh, just gotta so, drink it faster. Or drink it faster, right? So with that, without further ado, I'm gonna start pouring our first wine. Which you'll notice has a little bit of a color. <laughs> well, it is a rosé, so there you go. All right. All right. Cheers.
doing stuff with operatic stars back right. then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, that, if you don't know, that was uh, Sempre Libera from La Traviata by Verdi, um, and that role is Violetta. And uh, basically in this aria, I think everybody knows it who listens to opera, but in case you don't listen to opera, basically she's singing about how she loves her fun courtesan life and to be free and so thinking about like, for me, you know, sparkling wine and sort of it's like effervescence and bubbliness and like that's, to me, that's a very effervescent song and bubbles singing it. So yeah, perfect. that was my, uh, my thought on it. It, I mean, that, that part of that opera is so, I guess, hopeful, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and it really establishes uh, the fun side of her personality before you see. It makes you really like her, like and, her. Yeah, yeah, and see her her feisty kind of personality before the the gradual decline. Yes, yeah, great aria. It is. Yeah, and I am. Um, it's funny because I was, I was thinking today how when I first started listening to to opera and to classically trained voices. Like I, and and because my voice is not um, classically trained, I would always think, oh, you know, I would I never understood why I really enjoyed some singers that sang with vibrato and other singers who sang with vibrato I did not like <laughs> at all. And so now I, I, you know, in the probably the past ten years, I've come to realize that that's because, you know, vibratos that are very tight, very bubbly, so to speak, like that's when I enjoy singing uh, or enjoy hearing. Uh, the song. Uh, like today I was at a Messiah performance and 
the uh, soprano. There's someone that I've heard a number of times, but uh, she has a very bubbly vibrato uh, as well, and it was just lovely. So it's really a taste. It is. It is. It's all about taste. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, well, so a video that was making the rounds on Facebook <laughs> lately was this, uh, this uh, clip from some sort of Christmas holiday concert with a bunch of in, in Europe. It's Christmas mm -hmm. in right, Vienna. Christmas in Vienna. Yes. Oh, and there are a bunch of operatic singers singing. Um, Last Christmas, you know, George Michael's hit, <laughs> it's so bad. right? And yeah. like, right? Okay, it's, it's so, so bad. bad. I'm like, yes. it's so bad, right? So I call um, my catering manager in my office, and I say, hey, hey, you know, this is what gives like opera singers a bad name, and she's like, she's like, eh, I kind of like that. <laughs> and well, and then she heard the mezzo on it, and she's like, well, well, maybe not her, but um, <laughs> but overall, she's like, yeah, I kind of like that. So it is, it's all taste. Yeah, it is taste. Well, but some, actually, I think maybe sometimes it's not because how often are we drawn to what we first experience the listening to? So if our first experience is, is Beverly Sills, is Bubbles, mm -hmm. uh, that might be the way we think mm -hmm. it needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Same thing with wine. If that's what we're used to, mm -hmm. we gravitate towards that. And how do we not let ourselves be that way how do we let ourselves there's, be well there's there's more. no way to not be biased by your own life experience I yeah or by what you like i know but but if you really are open-minded yeah and well yes well i'm starting to come around to art song Yay. so <laughs> how many years have you guys been together <laughs> but, no, right? not enough apparently <laughs> Because she doesn't like it yet. Well, some oh, things yeah. are, an, are an acquired taste, and they take, right. you know. I, I make it my life goal to introduce everybody to sushi and try to, like, make uh, them oh, appreciate things. But honestly, there's an art to it because it's not. People, you know, have barriers. So there's, like, a system that I use for, you know, you start with things that are more. Generally speaking, yeah. Yeah. same yeah. thing with opera. You know, you right. start them with a, this, you know, yeah. Sempre Libera. You hear this yeah. aria. Yeah. What's not to like? It's impressive. Um, it's got a little bit of everything in it. And right. if it's well there's some, sung. There's some slower portions. Yeah. There's some fast-moving portions. Yeah. Um, it, well, it's certainly not boring. Exactly. You know, yeah. even, if, even if you're like, yeah. even if you're like, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. There's nothing boring about that. Yeah. And even if it's you spectacularly fail doing it it's like watching ice skating you know it's like it's at like least when, they went for it they you know? tried the, the triple or the quad <laughs> exactly, axle yes. you know and exactly yeah. and if your teacher is really excited about it that really helps the learner mm -hmm. to like if Jay is excited about this wine and he's gonna tell me what I have to know, <laughs> it's all yeah. of a sudden gonna draw my yeah. attention. Yeah, you're gonna be excited about Absolutely. the wine too. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm usually excited about wine. <laughs> me too. Me too. A low barrier for this. That's podcast. kind of the reason we're here, right? <laughs> yeah. We get easily excited by wine and song. Mm, good so. combination. And dessert. And, well, right. <laughs> Well, okay, so with this wine, what do we think? I like it. I do too. It has a, a very um, strawberry, fruity component that I was not expecting. Yeah, the nose is like like white chocolate covered mm -hmm. strawberries. 
has kind of that sweet vanilla kind yeah. of. It had vanilla. less sparkle than I. Less I, sparkle than yeah, you expected. Less like bubbly. Mm -hmm. Carbonation. Yeah. However mm -hmm. you would say it. But no. that didn't mean I didn't like no. it. And no, it's certainly bubbly. It's just not yeah. like uber bubbly. Right. And yeah. it's not it's not super sweet or anything. It's yeah. No. Nice dry. No, no, right. Yeah. yeah, I say white chocolate covered strawberries and, and someone think thinks really sweet, sweet, but right? it's not. But yeah. that's just kind of the aromas. The the palate is not that way at all. It's got really nice crisp acidity to it as well. It's a kind of a pale um pale cotton pink cotton candy color. Rose gold. Mm -hmm. Rose gold. gold. That, that's that's yeah. much better descriptive yeah. than mine. Well, you've just been seeing a rose gold iPad. So. Do sparkling <laughs> wines have less alcohol in them than? Um, typically, they do. I mean, typically, sparkling wines have lower alcohol contents than, um, than a lot of still wines. Not all, but a lot of still wines. But you can have you can have many that are in, you know, 12, 12 and a half percent. Oh wow. Um, which are which is a little bit on the high side for a sparkling wine, but um, most. Most people they get white wines between eleven and a half to thirteen and a half percent, and a lot of red wines between twelve and a half to well sixteen sixteen and a half percent. So yes, as a tendency they tend to be, but there's overlap. Certainly overlap. Um, I'm not going to reveal what this is obviously hmm. now, but um, but I don't think this one's particularly high alcohol. I wouldn't think so. No. It doesn't have like, you know, it doesn't have like big, super thick, long, slow legs, etc. So, I think it's quite lovely. And yeah. for a rosé, I mean, that this is what you want out of a rosé. You said you tasted strawberry, mm -hmm. and that's why you want to, you know, kind of make a rosé and get put a little of that fruit skin in, is to kind of bring out a little more of the red fruits in it. Whereas a lot of sparkling wines would maybe tend towards you know, citrus and apple or, you know, creamy, buttery, brioche and things yeah. like that. Um, this, you know, be using a little bit of that skin brings a little bit of that red fruit element into the sparkling wine. Um, yeah, this is lovely. Yeah, good. Now, how long have um, sort of rosé sparklings been around? Long a long time. Long time? Okay. Yeah. But in general, rosés, I mean, as we've talked about mm -hmm. here in the in the spring at least, you know, rosés have been uh, doubling in the United States. Production, the amount of sales for rosés has been doubling the last three years. But that being said, I mean, it was like 0.4% of all wine sold, doubling to 0.8%, then doubling to 1.6%, so to speak. So it's not like it's some gigantic portion of the market, but within its own pocket, it is really massively growing um and so you're probably seeing more seeing a, a lot, lot more, more because yeah. people are well as it is with anything it's like well they're buying you know, those I'll, i can make one of those you know put it out on the market um and i think part of the reason uh, it sells is you said it looked like rose gold that's a mm -hmm. beautiful color yeah you know people um i've been uh i've talked with brides when they're looking at the wedding oh could I get a rosé sparkling wine? That'll look so pretty at my wedding. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, sure. you can do it. Let's get one. I mean, that's I guess a reason that's, to pick some. Yeah, it might, for for her, it was. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, but and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, 
but but yes, they're pretty popular mm -hmm. uh, right now in general. So that might be why you're seeing more of them, or yeah. maybe, um, yeah, maybe they're being stocked more on the shelves. But um, but it's not such a bad thing. No, I like them. I've been buying them for years. But it used to be really difficult to find more than like one. <laughs> right. Well, but now yeah, I'm your a lot more your wine them. store might be like, well, we'll carry this one or yeah. these two. Yeah. Because either they have the name or mm -hmm. the whatever that will at least they'll move. Yeah. Because that's the thing with a wine store. They don't want to hold the inventory. They don't want to, you know, they want things that are going to move. Yeah. Um, but now rosés move a lot more. So, yeah, I see a lot more. All right, so I guess I'll go ahead and start. For okay, I'll start next selection, move to the next wine. Sure. Is that good? Yeah. Yes, please. Yes, please.
like recordings yeah. the best. They wow. are. Oh yeah. That was mine. Yay, great minds. Um, Glitter and Begay. Do you all know who that was? Or nope. I don't. Oh, the singer? Yeah. No idea. Natalie Desai. Really? Oh. Oh. And um, so when Jay told me what the theme was, mm-hmm. two songs came to mind. Like, you know how songs yeah. just immediately yeah. come, and this was one of them. And uh, I certainly had a few recordings in my mind but then I kind of googled it and I heard I heard her recording mm-hmm. and I thought I love that yeah. um, it, it takes you by surprise in a couple yeah. of places mm-hmm. I think the voice is gorgeous yeah. um, for this particular uh, yeah. role Hero. and uh, so so I picked it but but a close second to my surprise mm-hmm. was Kristen Chen. That was the one I oh, had sent to you. Yeah, oh, it's so good. You guys, you guys <laughs> sent you know each one, and I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. one sounds forth, so. better technically. Absolutely, <laughs> but 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 I I googled it yeah. and I watched it, yeah. and mm-hmm. she is literally jumping up and down yeah. on a couch, yeah. and she's th- th- doing. Acrobatics. I mean, yeah. might as well be doing cartwheels yeah. during the whole time, and which was stunning. Yeah. So it had had it had to be a visual, yeah. uh, then I would have picked that without yeah. question. But only by ear. This this I would I picked, yeah. and which leads to a whole nother discussion, discussion yeah. about yeah. about opera and about this isn't. This is an operetta, but come on, this yeah. is this is a mad scene. This is you know this is Lucia and her yeah. mad scene, yeah. mm-hmm. and yet in opera, it's okay. It maybe not so much anymore, but still, it's mm-hmm. okay to kind of just plant yourself and sing, right. and not be expected to do these acrobats mm-hmm. right. and Well, I mean, clearly it's vocal apparatus. Right. Oh my God. Right. Yes. So, having seen Candide done by a theater company and with musical theater singers that was that were not the caliber that was in the Kristen Chenoweth, which was with the New York Phil, I think um, it was just really good quality. Oh singers. my God! I would prefer any day of the week to hear good singing on it, but from singers that really understand the piece and you can understand like the language as well. Right. Because like Candida is a piece you have to really have an understanding for it, or at least your director has to come across with a vision because it doesn't just sell itself. I mean it's Voltaire, like you really have to get it, you yeah. know, to make it work for the whole audience. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So but it is, it's a blurred line between like But how does theater and how music. does Kristen Chenoweth this is um, not who we're listening to yeah. um how does she do that and be able to produce because uh, uh, that's what she does. Mm, that's what she's, she does. She's that might be dancer. how she produces. She's, yeah. a, she's what what you would call a triple threat. Like she yeah. doesn't dance a lot, like contemporary ballet type dancing. But I mean, she's done so much on Broadway where mm-hmm. she's had to dance and sing at the same it's, time. Mm-hmm. That it's she... unreal. Now and this and Natalie when Natalie yeah, just let's say talk about this recording when when I chose <laughs> it because. I felt like she wasn't babying her voice. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like she was going, like, especially at the very end, she yeah. was very aggressive, and it's like, oh my gosh, you know? Yeah. She, she, yeah, she wasn't yeah. trying to 
protect in any way, shape, or form, and that mm. she was going to allow um, the drama of the music come through. And mm. Well, I certainly, I, one of the things that first struck me about it, the piece was she starts and her voice is in a pretty dark color place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. You know, and I was like, wow, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, you're almost like, wow, is Sumetsu going to be singing this piece? Oh, yeah. That's how kind of, you know, uh, dark the timbre is. Um, but but clearly, uh, it's whatever she needed to do to set up for this piece. Because mm -hmm. I don't think that, I've never sung that piece. But I've sung plenty of pieces where when you start it it's not in the place you're going to end up mm -hmm. and you have to be conscious of where you're going to be technically at you know the end or the middle of the piece where you start so you have to make sure you're in the place that works for you and clearly it works for her and i don't know how she does it right i i just think it's amazing well she went all out in her performing and and suffered vocally for it yeah. Probably in the in the long term. This is a twenty year old recording, by yeah. the way. Uh, yeah, Board Festival. But in her prime, and uh, you you would never say. Um, I mean, so both people that you ch were thinking about yeah. choosing for this really kind of epitomize the singing actress qualities. Right. Natalie to say too was really a stage animal. And the thing about Kunigunda at this point in the show, you it could be very dark, you know. Uh, she's in a dark place, you know, and she's chosen to, you know, jewels over, you know, what I mean, exactly, <laughs> in the face of not so great stuff. <laughs> so, so yeah, they, they could explain her color choices because it is a brighter voice normally. Yeah, it's definitely a choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I like it so much. That's yeah. why I like this. And she takes some optional high notes, which is always fun. Mm -hmm. Definitely a couple extra. <laughs> and coming. does them well. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to do them, you might well, no, as well. Exactly. If you're gonna, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't throw an ornamentation and suck. Uh, yeah. People do all the time, too. Okay. okay. <laughs> you shouldn't. You shouldn't. <laughs> right. You can. You're right. You can. But you should not. You don't get an A for effort when you crack. <laughs> or fail. I didn't in my auditions. That's for sure. <laughs> you get the pity face, I'm sure. Well, I did get one compliment from the accompanist years later, who I ran into. Was like, "You're the only audition I had where you cracked, you cracked three times on that high B flat, and you kept going. Yeah. It was heroic." <laughs> you know? um, but yeah, I mean, like that—that's the accompanist. I didn't get hired for the gig. Um, but ultimately, when you're cracking, uh, if you—I didn't at the time, but. If you understand what it, what cracking is, mm -hmm. you can technically pretty easily fix what you're doing. Yeah. Um, but uh, but at that time, I I'll be honest, I had no clue what I was doing. So um, yeah, it's bad. But uh, but here, I mean, clearly she had full command. Yes. Full command. I just think it's spectacular. Yeah. It I, is. I I, I mean maybe. I mean, I, and, and and it's one of those pieces like clearly I mean we've had other arias on here which are pulled out for competitions all the time because they're showy or whatever but as a whole 
the, the opera they're in is maybe never done or rarely done. This one is at least done fairly often because yeah. the subject matter is, it's still relevant. relevant. Applies, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very much still applies. And it's still good for col uh, for college students, for, you know, graduate students. Yeah, well, if they have the chops. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're just not going to throw this at any old, you know, vanilla soprano. No, but if you're a coloratura and that's what you're studying and you're in graduate school, you should be able to handle it. Yeah, it's inappropriate. I certainly heard a lot of young sopranos sing this in school, but they, I often found that they didn't have the maturity to understand what they're singing. What they're singing. I mean, right. they understand the words on one level. They don't understand. They don't put the context behind well, it or but, the situation. But is it that they don't understand, or is it that technique-wise, it's just too hard to put anything other than uh, this is how you do it? Because I don't know how to. Yeah. I don't, I don't know think they have the life experience. I think it had more to do with the life experience. Yeah. Or the you know, cultures don't typically play. Okay. Aren't yeah. usually cat. Uh, composers don't usually write, you know, relatively complicated characters. Right. No. Okay. Wine number two. Wine <laughs> number two, I guess, with that long, lingering pause. What do we think of wine, wine number two? I like it. It's um, it's uh, tarter than I expected. Because? Yeah, I get like green oh, apple. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's what I was getting. Like, like green, like very tart green apple. It's richer to my... Richer? Yeah. Seems fuller bodied on your mm -hmm. palate? Yeah, fuller bodied. I went to get some food so that I could try it with food, and it goes nicely with the cheese, the tartness, and the creaminess of the cheese. I, I think um, I think clearly, you know, you get the, between the first one with the rosé and this one, you're like, okay, that rosé had these like kind of like strawberry, mm -hmm. fruit, berry notes. This one is clearly in those apple tart pear mm -hmm. little bit of sweetness to it but like uh, balanced mm -hmm. you know like yeah the finish is not super no sweet, it's not a yeah. syrupy sweetness mm -hmm. but it's um there's a little more sweetness to it though than the first one i yes. thought so too mm -hmm. yeah um but quite enjoyable and i think it's that sweetness that lends to the fuller body you were you were picking up on me but um a lovely glass i think it begs for more. None of us Not had a problem food. drinking. None of us had a problem <laughs> no. drinking it. That's true. All right, so let's uh, let's move on to uh, wine number three. Uh, while I selection number three.
Oh my god, Jay, you've made me so happy because you have poured a sparkling red. <laughs> <laughs> Which no one ever seems to know about. But of course you would. <laughs> Alright, well, let's go back to the song. Okay, sorry. That was mine. Um, that uh, was. I was thinking of doing, you know, when I think of sparkling wine, I think of Brindisi's, and then I think of Verity's. So this took me in a little slightly different direction. It's from Macbeth. Um, and this is, let's see, Sicolmil Calici, um, and it's Lady Macbeth's, one of her many arias. This is the point in the banquet scene um, where she's already queen and he's king and they're hosting people. And he's waiting to find out if, um, if Bonko has been assassinated, I think. Yes. So it's the banquet scene where he like imagines the ghost and anyway, so this is um, really Lady Macbeth like taking over for the guests and entertaining them and trying to like get everyone in the kind of, because he's falling apart, Macbeth. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, it just, it's kind of different as this wine is with yeah. That's a great yeah. point. Yeah. yeah, so I just, I thought of, you know, something well, a little darker. You know, the words themselves are like so light yes. and airy, and it's like you know, yes. drink today and mm -hmm. forget about your troubles, exactly. and you know. But the context is so correct. dark, yeah. and this particular piece—it's part of this long Shana, right? So this is just a little bit of an excerpt. But she sings this twice, and in the middle, um, he finds out that you know the deed's been done. Um, the assassination or whatever so a lot happens in the scene and he's starting to fall apart and then this this comes back where she's like it's almost like you're at a party you know and you see your significant other like completely melting down and you just like pull it together you know like you know uh well the singer we didn't mention oh i'm so sorry this is marie callas i just assume everybody knows her voice <laughs> well, you can because some of our listeners yes know. so yeah i mean she, to me, was one of the first singers I ever heard, and in this in particular, when I heard her Lady Macbeth stuff when I was relatively young, it just completely embodies this character. And I, I studied this, this role, just not learned it, um, but wrote a couple papers on it. And this was, her voice was really the kind of voice that you would want. He wanted like this kind of, almost, he wanted at times for it to be kind of ugly. Uh, bruta, as they would say, um, at certain times in the role, especially, mm -hmm. and she's certainly able to to get well, both the beauty and the ugliness in certain. And parts. she was willing to do and it. She was willing to know? do things dramatically that you need that very really demands, you know. In no, the I music. mean ultimately, not to like jump in here, but I feel like ultimately that's something less and less singers today want to do which is dive into the ugly parts of their voice yeah. that are so powerful when used properly yeah um and it's a but it's a but i think part of the reason is um it's not explored in your um you know nobody's exploring in their lessons and their yeah. practice and it's hard to go to that place mm -hmm. for many and then come back out of it. Right. Well, that makes sense? A technique. A technique. Yeah. Right. You, you have to, to know to how to do it, not just like, ah, I'm just going to blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know? Right. And there's a healthy way to sing, sing like 
with a little bit of an edge, I would say, and an unhealthy way to do it. Mm -hmm. I was thinking when uh, Baltimore Concert Opera did this, it would have been nice if I had a recording of that because Francesca Mondanero, I think that's yeah. her name, she was spectacular. Oh, she and she really just, she took risks, which is what this sort of a, a role demands, and in coloring her voice. And she has a huge, mm -hmm. huge beautiful, interesting voice. She um, has. Has, has. She's still singing, very much singing, and very, um, very wonderful. So, yeah, but this sort of role demands that sort of thing. And this, each of her arias is very, very different. So you just have to be able to do a whole bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. And this is a rare, I don't know, light. Well, she's two really arias similarly. Yeah. Right. But a good choice because of drinking and beverage and yes. toasting and... Yes. Um, and and I chose it at a time when there was a lot of political upheaval, so it just you felt, mean like yeah. any time this like year, yeah, right? right. <laughs> but it was right before the election, yeah. In Alabama. And it's perfect with all of with, with this sparkling wine. Yeah, this in is, a million years, I yes, I, I've never had Jay. This is like when you poured it, I was like, oh my god, you just you get this. Yeah. <laughs> this right. pairing because it really Bloody. does. Yeah, yeah. Blood. I mean, all the Red blood sparkling. on her hands for you know, and still sparkling. Yes. <laughs> yeah, perfect choice. It's a, this wine is a very deep, dark purple, almost black purple color. Um, the color of blood. <laughs> yes, slightly coagulated blood. Yes. yes. Coagulated. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's got a, I mean, there's a lot going on with the nose, too. Um, mm -hmm. Clearly, because it's a red sparkling wine, mm -hmm. this is, we've had the rose, we've had a white. And then there's a whole different aromatic uh, mm -hmm. and flavor profile for this. I'm mm -hmm. loving it. Yeah, me too. Why is it that, um, no, I'm not familiar with it. It has legs. Why is it that it seems like there's far more white sparklings than, than a deep red? Well, because... Champagne. Mm-hmm. No, well, well, right. Well, that's part of it. Champ champagne is made, I mean, they have these governing laws and it has to be made with a certain three grapes, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and Pinot Meunier. And so you, even if you made 100% Pinot Noir, and even if you put tons of Pinot Noir skin, it's just not gonna get this type of color and body. So for centuries upon centuries, um, what people thought of sparkling wine was champagne, mm -hmm. you see. So it's getting over people's perceptions about what a sparkling wine should be. And the idea of a sparkling red wine, and, and, and they're made in several different places. Um, Italy makes them, Australia makes them, some people in the States make them, uh, South Africa makes some, um, uh, New Zealand makes some. So it's, but it's one of these things where though, it's, uh, there are some people find it off-putting because, well, you t tell me more about what you taste and like you, and you really smell. really dark fruit. Mm -hmm. And I, I went over, after you poured it, I'm in, I guess I'm in pairing mode tonight because Megan brought some delicious desserts. So I went over and grabbed one of the uh, Nutella Pop-Tarts mm. to go with it, which was just divine. <laughs> like, yeah, because it did the, it's almost like the, the wine itself isn't sweet at all, but the, the bubbles add a sweetness mm -hmm. to it. Um, so that it's it got a very dusty well cocoa chocolate. note in it. Yeah, too. I think that's what it is. But the but I also get like very dark fruit, like mm -hmm. black currant type mm -hmm. fruit stuff. Raisins. No, it's, it's um, 
I think that's the thing is there's a dryness to it too. You taste mm -hmm. you because it's a red wine. You have tannins in it, which yeah. isn't something we had in the other two. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so there are other. It, it's about expectations yeah. all the time. Yeah. Um, and so people are like, well, my sparkling wine, I, I don't expect it to have any tannins. I don't expect it to be this full bodied. Mm -hmm. I don't expect it to have, mm -hmm. you know, dark fruit notes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so they don't big, like it. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. I actually joined a wine club just because they had a sparkling red, because um, they didn't carry it. So I, it's just, the first time I had a sparkling red, it was such a novel experience, but I tend to like red wines, and like the, the just having the, some of the red wine flavor, but then the bubbles, it just, the contrast is in, in a glass is so interesting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm actually finding... Um, I really like it in this bigger glass too. I gotta taste different. Yeah. 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 When you can see, like you know, it has. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to drink this out of a flute. I might. It put might look a little strange, right? The rim. Chocolate rimmed. <laughs> yeah. Now you're streaming now. Well, now I'm now I'm I'm remembering uh, when we went to the better than sex restaurant in uh, Key West, and they had a sparkling Shiraz with a chocolate rim huh. uh, glass. They called them, you know, rim It was shots. a dessert restaurant. <laughs> yeah, it was a dessert <laughs> restaurant, all desserts. Yeah. You know, well, we can, we're the explicit podcast, so I can say that's that right. thing. Yeah, <laughs> rim okay. shots. Yeah. And... <laughs> Didn't know you were going to get another one. Well, it is Key West. Yeah. It was Key West. Key West. Mm -hmm. and, well, it is. Um, yeah, so, it, yeah, it, it pairs well with uh, Lady Macbeth. Delicious. Macbeth. Yes. And Maria Callas. I and Maria yeah. Callas. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Dark metal. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really love her voice. I know a lot of people have a lot of opinions, which is great. It means you're doing something right. If people that have a ton of opinions they about your singing, about you. they want to talk about yeah. you, then you're doing something right. Yeah. Hmm. If, well, if you're still well, getting hired, president. if you're still getting hired and people want to talk about you a lot you as a singer, then you're doing something right. <laughs> I suppose. I suppose. Well, very good. So um, we are uh, a, a normal. We normally would have four ladies here tonight, um, but given the holiday season, it was hard to get uh, a full complement together, so to speak. So. Um, I actually pulled back and I have a repeat selection from uh, the archives of the former Baltimore Opera Company, uh, you know, sort of on the way to the dump, so to speak. If you've heard the earlier podcast, you may have heard this selection that we're about to hear, um, but I don't believe anybody other than Paige and myself have heard it, so we're going to listen to it tonight and talk. Um, if you have wine and glass, you can keep that. If you don't, tell me what you'd like and I'll happily pour it for you um, while we listen to this next selection. I'll go for number two. Number two for you? Okay. Number, number one for me. Number one for you and... I'll stick with three. You'll stick with three? Oh, look at that. It's like all across the map. Yeah. That is interesting.
was so bad that I was like, and cut, and nope. you know, yeah. like we'd just be someone listened to three seconds of really bad distortion. You can hear the quality well, the of the voice, voice there. Is gorgeous. Oh my yeah. gosh, that's incredible. This is from a, a competition they held in 1987. And was wow. that? Was the piano? Oh. Was it a harp? Hmm? Was it what? Who was the pianist? Yeah. Was it a harp? <laughs> I don't believe it was harp. I believe actually it was, um, uh, Bill Yanuzzi, hmm. who used to be with the the company. And the singer and, and the singers Mark somebody. No, 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 no. That that uh, the same competition that was um, Mark Devilman, but this is Huey. Uh, oh, really? uh, um, oh, I'm forgetting his last name, but um, I'll, I'll I'll repost you said it on my eighty six. Eighty seven. Eighty seven. Okay. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So that's like a. A thirty-year-old recording that was on a cassette tape. Yeah, the in, in the sub basement of the sub basement of the M Sock. Yeah, and then in, and has lived in the Spy House basement for you know ten years now, eight, seven, eight, seven, seven years, years yeah. that we've lived here. I don't know where it was before then. <laughs> yeah, transition. Yeah, it's on its way to the dump. It's on its way to the dump. <laughs> but I mean, that's a very. I think it's got a lot of bubbles in it. Oh yeah, for sure. It's a great artist. It was one of the yeah. reasons I picked it um, for to, to put it in that place. Um, and I, I, I honestly, one of the other reasons I decided to reach back is because, well, I mean, sometimes, you know, we get a little sad during this season. And one of the things I'm sad about is 
the Baltimore Opera Company. Um, you know, it's they've been gone almost ten years. You know, and they have you know there's the start of the Lyric Opera Baltimore, but it's just not the same. And also, Lyric Opera Baltimore hasn't performed anything for. A year and a half. Year and a half. I mean, any. Yeah. I understand they're doing some educational runouts to <laughs> schools and stuff, which is important to spread the gospel, so to speak. But it's not the same. It's not I the mean, same as this quality singer is not going out to the schools. Right. Correct. Mostly because I'm one of those. People. <laughs> no. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not. But, no, but no, you know no, what I'm it's saying. True. It's true. It's true. Yeah. I mean, like, well, the other singer that you know. Paige was alluding to that we've heard before, Mark Delavan. Oh my and God, I mean, it's like, I mean, like world-class yeah. yeah. singers were coming to Baltimore and singing right. and being on the stage. Well, it's a shame too because DC is, has so much, so many resources. So the opera community in the in this area is there. There's an audience for it. It's just that all the money seems to go to DC. Yeah. So and. And well, you know, should come to this podcast. They yeah. should. Well, and, and Baltimore itself, I mean, let's be honest, Baltimore itself has so many issues that it's not surprising that we can't maintain, yeah, an, that opera we can't maintain an opera company. Um, sad because, you know, in terms of the arts, like, well, and, that's and, and what, the sad, arts are kind of what revitalizes. Because cities. considering the history yeah. of the Baltimore Opera Company right. yeah, and this city, so, it should have it should have been able to survive right. because going back into its history, it actually was very well tied in this city. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I guess it just went off the path. Mm. Well, do Bad you management. Washington, management. Do you yeah. think Washington offers is uh, thriving right now or just trying to hang by its... They're doing fine. They're doing okay, but they're doing okay, well, there's, there's probably a lot of loaded stuff there so um, they have access to resources yeah they do they have a lot of great donors mm -hmm. well they're so, still doing they're, they're still putting up operas they're putting up operas and they're hooked that's in with a big the, difference yeah. between lyric opera yeah. baltimore they're hooked in with the kennedy center so i think that you know that gives kennedy them, center's doing that big expansion yeah mm -hmm. the kennedy center's doing fine and they're attached to the kennedy center now so i think they have they have some leeway to, to you know, be able to do what they want to do. They streamlined some of the resources with the Kennedy Center, from what I understand. So yeah. they're able to. They're in good shape. Yeah. As arts organizations go and yeah, they they age. Yeah. Right now, I'm actually more worried about the Met than I am about the Washington. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Huh? That Levine thing is gonna be. Oh. Is no is not is, gonna be it is, is being is a huge issue. Well and there's another accusation launched against somebody else. Can you say or what? I mean I so I don't know the particular conductor, but my understanding is he's an assistant conductor at the Met Regular who's been accused by one now? person. Yeah, it just came out in the New York Post or something. I mean this stuff has been happening in opera and other industries mm -hmm. for a long. I think we talked about this with Kevin been, Spacey. I think it's been happening. Yeah. It's been happening it's forever. It's been happening in opera yeah. since opera started. Correct. Yeah, probably more so than you know. We just didn't seem to. It was just expected. Right. And I think a certain there was there are people that work in this business that everybody just sort of knows and has known for years, including Levine, that you knew about these things. Well, the, the, right. But the thing is, it's like you know. 
when you, I look when the story broke about James James Lyon, I was not like, oh my god, no. what a shock, yeah. right? I have okay. literally just been talking about but, it a week before. But the fact of the matter is, you know, I I felt like probably everybody in this room and thousands about thousands of others is. We hear these rumors, but there's nothing we no, can do about it. Yeah. You know, you don't, you we're don't like we're miles hands. and miles away. We don't have first. We have only like rumors yeah. and answer. Like we don't. There's nothing we can do about it. Right. But the but fact they, of the matter that we all knew about it all over the country yes. in all the different schools and for decades upon decades yeah so, that just shows you how prevalent it was and how much the powers that be were either you know ignorant and or willfully yeah negligent yeah. and this this is the problem is when and i mean taking apart the you know his his artistry just leave that alone the fact that organizations, they had to have known. There's no way they couldn't have known about it. Because every, it was so prevalent, you know, it's like Weinstein. Everybody knew. Um, and, and yet, did they go out of their way to protect him? You know, is it the yeah. institution's problem who hire the person? When you know somebody is rumored to have done certain things, like, what's the due process there as well? Right. If no one has formally come forward and launched right. a, well, a think, Yeah, I mean, I think the issue is, is there, were, there were people who came forward with complaints and it was kind of right. shoved under the... Typically when they were adults, though, so years yeah. later. Yeah. And again, it's, you know, you're talking about... But I mean, it's much easier to... I mean, I'm, I'm saying this a little bit from personal views. It was easier to come forward years later than yes. it is right after it happened. Right. right. And it's difficult. I I do... I mean, it's... It, still rampant in this business and it's hard unless you are extremely established to bring forth accusations against somebody who has standing. That's right. And, and has the power to kill your career. That's your power to kill your career. One word and that's you're out. the problem. Yeah. The people who are the most powerful in this business, like Levine, you know, and some other people we're not gonna name, who have the power to make or break your career are often the people that have these Things that people know about. Mm -hmm. And how many years ago was that too? Like now it's a little bit more, we are able to speak about it a little bit more, but that was mm -hmm. how many years ago? 30, 40 years ago? Right. And it's, yeah, and it's, right. I don't even think, was he even out of the closet? Levine? I don't even know publicly. I don't know, I know, I mean, I don't Yeah, I don't know what publicly, but again, it's just unfortunate because. Because of the perception that the institution covered it up, you know, and, and they may have. Well, I mean, I mean, in general, I mean, not even just about, you know, sexual harassment, sexual abuse, sexual assault, but in general, history has taught us that power corrupts people and they tend to abuse power right. in general. Well, and there have there have to be checks on it. Correct. And, and in general, in society, right. because it, you're right, a lot of it is power. And the fact that if you're in a position, especially the people in that instance who are very young, mostly teenagers, they have no power, no established person, and this person is completely high status with the ability to make or break your career. 
And it is. It's, it's a lot of power. And it's certainly abuse of power. And as musicians, yeah, we have a union as singers, but it has no power to do anything. We're independent contractors. We can be fired feels, for it, almost nothing. You it feel feels as though very you have powerless. No power. I mean, like, you can't report that. I mean, I'll be, I'll be very honest. Yeah. I mean, the union has had for quite a long time, you know, a, a means of allowing singers, dancers, etc., to report to abuse. report it. Yes. The question but, is, what can you do about but it? But a lot of them don't. Okay. I mean, like, when you think of how much I, I don't know about you. Yeah, but me, I feel like it's rampant in oh, our business. It is. And when you think about that, and you think that there's only like seven or eight that's happened in the past five years in terms of reporting through the system the union has. Oh, that's it? Wow. Well, that's completely underreported. I mean, that's a little insider yeah. knowledge there. Yeah. But yeah. it's people are not, they are so afraid about. Yeah their career and about the power that those people have that they're not even willing to go to these anonymous ways to report it right to take action that's how afraid they are of the power that people have in those positions as well as how far can i go what can i I'll do such and such mm -hmm. to get my career mm -hmm. advanced as well. Or no, there are people who have certain moral moral flexibility. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you are, I'll let them put their arm around me and grab my ass. That's fine, that's what it goes. But I don't want them to like stick their tongue down my throat right, or right. whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean there comes that happens and, all the time. And if you know if you know what you're willing to do, you're actually a more a more added advantage because it's like all right i'll play your game up to this doesn't point. make it right it's yeah. not right and that doesn't thing. make it right what they're doing but i understand what you're saying megan you're saying there are some people who are like well i'll play, I'll this, play this because yeah. this is my line i'm willing to go I'm up to this line to get i want to get hired correct do you want to squeeze my ass out you know like but or i'm not gonna make a scene about it yeah but right. you go this far but i will tell you you know Everybody has their own comfort level. It doesn't make it right because in, a, in a, a normal business environment, it would never fly. But I've had to pull people aside who have taken liberties in scenes or directors who have crossed the line. But I'm comfortable pulling somebody aside and addressing it. And it shouldn't be something I have to do. Right. There should be somebody I should be able to report to about it and have it addressed. You know? It's just the nature of... I think... In the entertainment business, a lot of lines are blurred. There are some clear lines that were crossed so very absolutely, clearly yeah, with Bill Levine and other people. But but not just that business. I mean, you're in like with gymnastics and everything like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, it's see. Yeah. Well, and I I only in gymnastics I only ever had one male coach, and he was a pastor. Not that that like. But he was he was spotlight. He was wonderful. Like he was, you know, he was he was my favorite coach. Like he was so much nicer than the lady coaches. Um, like I would sit. I, I my last couple of years in gymnastics, I was uh, a little um, uh, angsty, for lack of a better word. So I would sit on the beam and cry 
instead of actually doing my beam routine. He was nice and the lady coaches me. But, but that being said, when the stories were breaking, <laughs> you were completely understanding about the situation. Oh, yeah. And how yeah. It, you how, realized, yeah. Yeah, how, you know, the doctor. You, you'd heard things and you. Oh, yeah, I'd heard things. And there are coaches that, mm. I mean, you're, you're talking about, you know, teenage girls. Yeah. And there, there are some male coaches that are, you know, predatory. And but again, so here we are, one, two, three, four people in the room, a couple of animals, and all, all of you listeners. we all have heard the stories, like none of this takes us by surprise, mm-hmm. yet like it's breaking news. Like yeah. every single person in here has, has seen it. Or, has I seen think it what's, or break, what's breaking news, and I think a good thing, mm-hmm. is it's breaking news that people are willing to speak out about it yes. because and people aren't willing to right. take it anymore. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, and it'll be, I think it is probably more than anything, uh, other than perhaps nuclear war, it might be the biggest sea change in our country for the coming decade or two. Mm-hmm. It will change things immensely if, if if this continues to roll as it has been mm-hmm. in the last few months. Maybe, but it didn't change for our president. This well, no. it's, it's I'm young in the presidency. Yeah. 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 We're not you even know. a year in, so yeah. who knows? Who knows? The, the, I agree with you, Jay, that if you think about the years and years that the women have just sort of, not just women, but many, mostly women, well, have I mean, had to well, just kind of put up with it. I agree. You know? Yeah, and primarily women because primarily men have been in power. I totally right, and, and, and so that may shift as you know. Hopefully, it'll be more balanced in the future. But but the um, but people have actually started caring about like having a safe and productive work environment. Um, that's yeah. relatively new. Yeah. It certainly wasn't the case, you know, fifty or sixty years ago. Yeah. Um, so a lot has changed just in the past. Two months, month, and a half. I don't even know how long it's been, but it's an incredible shift in our culture where we're finally not going to put up with it. The women are much more comfortable coming forward than they were. Yeah, no, well, it's so, well, it's so true. Women, and, and men. No, and, so. well, and, but but I mean, I'm not gonna. I mean, I'm just saying in general, women, women, yes, women, but women and men. Yeah. I mean, I've been noticing. You know, on Facebook, I've seen male friends of mine who are who are going through, you know, reporting of abuse from yeah. decades ago and stuff. And it's yeah. it's one of those things where I'm not shocked that it happened. I'm hurt that I know these people who are beautiful, wonderful people and have been abused in such a way, and I had no idea. Yeah, it's not something everyone feels comfortable talking about, and it's good to be in an environment where oftentimes there's victim blaming, right? So I feel like for the first time in a long time, we're in a position where the, the culture is such that the instant reaction is to believe the person accusing yeah. or at least that's sort of the narrative that's being presented that we should because oftentimes people who are victims of assault and things like that the victim blaming is real and in a, and in a criminal scenario you know you're innocent until proven guilty it doesn't mean it doesn't happen you know right. so so it's a real shift in the landscape yeah I and I think I think <laughs> This, the, the sad thing 
but also a good thing in terms of people believing victims is that usually someone who is a predator or a harasser, there's not just one, yeah, it's, it's not just one person, like there are multiple people. So when one person comes forward, makes other people easier. move. And so it, it, yeah, definitely makes it easier. So it's sad that that's the case, but in a way it's a good thing, I think. Mm -hmm. And on that note, <laughs> we went from bubbly to yeah. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Well, but think of the operatic women that I've had to endure. Oh, oh yeah, I mean, it's very right. I mean, well, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, that it's the kind of thing when you. Taking back into the opera world, when you think of people like Maria Callas, imagine what the shit she oh had to go gosh. through. Oh my god! Yeah. You know, uh, and and others. Um, yeah, you just go, damn. Um, amazing, because it it's a traumatic thing to go through and work through and work through, let alone you know sing and perform through. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, you know, and, and Bubbles, I mean, shit, she was a child star to start out with. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine mm -hmm. how much other yeah, things right? went through her career. Yeah. I mean, and and honestly, I, I mean, sure, I'm sh I don't know, so I'm not absolutely sure, but I, mean, I imagine there's an autobiography of Beverly Hills somewhere, mm -hmm. but I don't imagine it was a tell-all of anything untoward, and I can't imagine she, she had, had a blissful experience. Yeah. She was trying to keep public, Very which now I think somebody wouldn't be so willing to. They'd right. be willing to be like, yeah, this well, is the shit that went down. Yeah, and you look at the autobiographies of singers that have changed. Like, Debbie Voice was really tell-all, you know? Um, and most people aren't comfortable sharing as much as she shared in her, with her struggles with addiction and whatnot. But, um, yeah, it's it's interesting the kind of things that that as entertainers, there's this sort of attitude the show must go on and you present yourself in a lot of ways. And this in this day and age with social media, you're constantly presenting a certain and a curated version of yourself yeah. as a performer. You kind of need to in some ways. Um, well, I mean, it's that it, it is that show must go on mentality. Yeah. I mean, how how many, we've all been there. Like it doesn't matter. Something's yeah. going on in your life. You know, your boyfriend broke up with you, your yep. dog died, you know, yep. whatever. Y you're in something, the show must go on. And, and, and it, you know, in many cases, it could be, you know, the, the you know, manager of the company, the conductor, whatever, did whatever inappropriate yep. to you. But, you know, you got to carry on and right. do the show because the people who are buying the tickets in the seat, they don't... It's not their business. They don't right. care. Yeah. They yeah. bought a ticket to see the concert, the opera, the whatever. Yeah. And, and just to play devil's advocate, here I am, a young, I'm a, a young singer, and it is happening to me, and I'm allowing it, allowing it knowing that, okay, I'll, I'll get a little further, right? So then, let's say that's that's the scenario, and then it's gotten too far. Mm -hmm. How do you call them out? Because you think, well, God, I, I was kind of blamed because mm -hmm. I wanted to advance my career, and I let it 
go a little bit and mm -hmm. now it's like way too much and you can't call him out anymore, mm -hmm. right? I mean, oh, you still can. You can. You can. But, but you can. But I can understand you, yeah, how a person in that position yeah. thinks they can. Yeah. You go through some, some like, uh, you blame yourself. Right, right. right. Which often people who are oh. abused do anyway. Right. Yeah. You know. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Even people who aren't abused like to blame themselves. It's a natural human tendency. Well, some people blame others, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe artists tend to blame themselves. Maybe yeah. that's true. Maybe artists tend to blame themselves. <laughs> well, all right. We've been going that's for a while. Right. We're off for bubbly topics, so I'm going to take it back. To, I'm going to reveal the wine. Yay! Right? Yay. Wine reveal. Wine reveal. Woohoo! I think I know what number three is. There's so few. You're my, you're my wife. You're my husband. I'm your husband. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So wine number one, the uh, rosé. Yes. Mug yes. Napa rosé. Yes. Everybody, everybody's happy about that. Yes. Why are you ladies happy about it? I'm that? happy because I know I can buy that. So yeah. Right? <laughs> and I really liked it. Yeah. So. It retails usually for around twenty bucks a bottle. Yeah. It's not super expensive, which is lovely. Um, I think I think it's always nice to find wines that people can afford. Mm, yeah. um, and this is actually 66% uh, Pinot Noir and 33% uh, Chardonnay. And it has a, a little bit of um, the base wine. This is, um, so this is G.H. Uh, Mum's Napa House. So the French, you know, come to Napa, make sparkling wine there. Um, and so uh, very much the idea with non-vintage like this is, is that they have reserve wines, wines from previous vintages that they then mix in with the current vintage of wine. Um, so when they say the base wine, it's the wine uh, is the first fermentation before the second fermentation. Some of it is actually aged. Um, in French oak barrels, which gives it a little bit of that bigger body that you might have, or maybe even a little bit of tannin, which I didn't pick up on this. Um, but um, it's a, uh, it is a brute uh, style. Um, it is uh, 8.4 grams per liter. So it's, you know, it's truly in that brute. It couldn't even be extra brute, which is, you know, in that cusp. So uh, it's really nice. It also is um, aged uh, in the bottle 36 months, which, uh, wow. which right, which is part of uh, what gives it a little bit of that more developed complexity, mm -hmm. which is really nice. Yeah. So, um, that's, a Napa Rose. that's a keep in the fridge. One. Yeah. That's a keep in the fridge one, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, it may not be like you know, pull out for a party. Right. Mm -hmm. Right, but it's yeah. you know keeping the fridge and ready to go at a moment's notice. Yeah. All right, so uh, number two, I have no clue. Number two, mm -hmm. you have no clue. Mm -hmm. Gloria Ferrer, Vaudeville. How did you not know that? Well, because I just I just bought. Well, maybe it's not that exact. Gloria Ferrer, uh, it is a um, a house uh, in uh, Sonoma, and. They uh, they primarily have, have Pinot Noir heavy uh, blends, which this also is a Pinot Noir heavy blend. But this Vaudeville also has um, a high sugar sage. It's actually 25 grams per liter, which actually puts it into that demi-set category. However, it also has a high acidity 
component to it, which helps balance that out. I mean, anybody who's ever had, say, lemonade, you know, if you start to dial up the sugar, it becomes a really sweet. If you were like, oh, this is too sweet, and you dial up the tartness, you can bring those things into balance. So even though we picked up it was sweetness, it wasn't cloying, it wasn't as sweet right. as some people might think, uh, you know, that to be. And of course, they don't put demi-sec on here. They can not put brute either because they mm -hmm. can't. But that's probably because they think people will think if they see demisec they're not going to buy this mm -hmm. you know they're like, oh that's sweet right. where there is sweetness but it's not yeah. perceived yeah. as such well you i got to me it was totally tart right because it had that tartness to yeah. it um so yeah this is uh usually about 23 dollars a bottle so it's not particularly expensive this also just like the mum napa is made in the uh, traditional um method or the way champagne is made where the second fermentation happens in the bottle mm -hmm. um which is uh for many people an important feature by the way one of the best wineries to um, go to it's a, it's a gorgeous oh, yeah. location. We always wanted to go with yeah. their wine, both of their winemakers, right? Yeah, I'll call up Bob. It's one of my favorite spots. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> Next time we're out, which, yeah. you know, is, well, he might be, you know, Rich no longer there. Yeah, I was thinking fully he might retired, be, like, retired by, the by the time we get there. But, um, <laughs> Fair but still no. worth going. Yeah. No, still <laughs> worth totally, going. Totally. It's a great spot. No, but uh, yeah, so uh, Gloria Ferrer Badavi, that was the second wine. And again, very, you know, these are all varying different wines. Um, number three. Number three. Woohoo. Wait, do you want to guess before you pull it? Well, I know what it was. It's ah. Miss Molly, Molly Duker. Ah. It's Molly Duker, Miss Molly, or as I like to call it, the Billy Carter. We had, um, we had some on Friday night. That's why I, I yeah. knew. What it was. The, uh, it's a sparkling Shiraz. I called the Billy Carter because that was my name for it. Mm -hmm. um, when they were first releasing this wine, they had a name uh, naming contest. Ah. And I, I um, submitted the Billy Carter as the name for it. And as Paige knows, uh, my younger brother and his wife and the two of us were down at a uh, Molly Duker wine tasting in DC. And like a week or so prior to that, they emailed everyone who was going, they were gonna announce the winner of the naming contest at that tasting because they were in the room. Right. Oh. I was convinced it was me. Uh -huh. It clearly was not. And the winner, the winner got a trip to Australia. Correct. So I was super excited. Oh god. <laughs> right. Um, you know, but whatever. I, I ended up getting yeah, a case of wine that night. Yeah, yeah, we did blended the best. Yeah, we did win we a case did of wine. We did blend so. the best wine that night, so we I won a case of wine for us. But um but regardless, um so this is a sparkling Shiraz from Australia. It's uh it's a mixture of a lot of the different vineyards. It's not purely McLaren Vale, but a lot of it is. Um, this actually um, doesn't have the second fermentation, you know, in the bottle like um, Champagne uh, does, but that's actually more common in sparkling heavy reds like this because that's not part of the, what they're trying to do. Um, and this is actually 15% alcohol, whereas the others are in that 12, 12 and a half percent. So this is like a oh, straight red wine. Uh, yeah, yeah it's, it, well, and it's, it's, it's <laughs> lower than a lot of normal Molly Dukers, which tend to be closer to 16. Yeah. Huh. Uh, but it is still a pretty high-level alcohol wine. Um, but it's also pretty affordable. I mean, it's, uh, it's not 2023. It's more like 25 to 30, depending mm -hmm. upon where you buy it. But 
you know, if you're the kind of person who's like, hey, I really like red wine, I'd like to try something, you know, different and fun. In the summer, when um, you need like something oh, chill. Yeah. Um, I think this, uh, yeah, if you're like, I, I like red wine, but I want to drink it in the summer, and mm -hmm. you can totally chill this down. I think that's the one thing we talked about a little bit and hinted at is that when it's sparkling and you chill it, it actually still really works. Mm -hmm. um, whereas if you really heavily chilled that red wine, it may not translate as well without the, uh, the bubbliness. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so three very different uh, sparkling yeah. uh, and red wines. And affordable. And affordable. And affordable. Yeah. yeah, nothing was over 30 bucks a bottle yeah, yeah. really. So um, yeah. So uh, our playout song tonight was picked by uh, Jessica uh, Satava, who thought she might be able to be here, but then wasn't. So I like pressured her to give us our playout song. <laughs> so it's um, Silver Springs, I think. You know, Springs and mm -hmm. Bubbly is why she picked it, which is uh, Fleetwood Mac with Stevie Nicks, the singer, mm -hmm. so female singer. Um, she says Stevie Nicks forever and always. So. <laughs> there you go. There we go. Huh.
Thank you very much. We really appreciate it. So this brings us